This is Colonel Angie Robertson, AMCA1, and this is the Bedrock Podcast. I'm Tech Sergeant Laura Beckley, and I am here with Colonel Angie Robertson, who is the AMC A1 Director. AMC A1 is responsible for manpower, personnel, and services. So thank you, ma'am, for being here. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Oh, very glad to. And uh, you brought Chief Featherstone with you. I did. Can you tell us a little bit about him? So um, Chief, for those that uh, probably recognize the name, uh, Chief Greg Featherstone used to be actually here uh, stationed at Dover um, before coming up to AMC. But in the role that he serves uh, at AMC, he's my uh, senior enlisted leader, um, as well as dual had it with being the uh, chief for our readiness section at, um, at AMC A1. So he's a busy man. He's a very busy man. And unfortunately, he could not join us for the podcast, but we always want to give him a little bit of love. You That's guys right. have been around Dover now for two days. We have one more. We have um, actually today is our last day. We got here on Monday and we had the great opportunity of seeing the um, amazing work that happens over at um, AFMEO and AFMES um, to see some of the AMC airmen who are uh, part of that mission. And so um, the other couple of days have been spent with uh, the force support squadron and seeing the, the great work that those airmen do. Awesome. So you're a big fan of Team Dover? Big fan. Huge fan. <laughs> it's, I, I will tell you, this is an amazing mission um, that, that, that's here on, on, the, uh, on the installation. We like it too, and we're glad that you could uh, come and enjoy it with us and uh, enjoy a breakfast sandwich at Mugs and the salad at the DFAC. Yeah. Check out the fitness center and Johnny Fitness. Right. Ran the whole gamut. Um, but the purpose of the podcast today is not necessarily about your visit, but to talk about something that is a little bit taboo, actually. Um, that for a long time we've kind of avoided the these these types of conversations but today you really want to dig into it and the focus of today's podcast is going to be um based on a song that you're really partial to Sam Cooke's uh A Change Is Gonna Come which was released in 1964 after his death um and it's a pretty it's a pretty pointed account of the civil rights movement that has a lot of brooding tones of um oppression with a really nice hint of hope and looking towards a future at the end of each stanza why why this song so uh let me first start by saying that I highly encourage folks who may not be familiar with the song to um, pull it up on YouTube, pull it up uh, on Spotify or whatever your means of uh, listening to songs. But I highly recommend people to listen to it, even if uh, they've heard it before, but to just listen to it again. Um, To me, I see this song as being um, an ageless song in that. um, So first, the the instrumentals is what grabbed me from the very beginning um it starts out with you know it sounds like an orchestra you know so it's pretty cool to to listen to the sounds just by itself but the lyrics and the message behind it um is pretty powerful and yes i think initially it was um during the civil rights movement but ultimately um 
it's a song that you can listen to today. And that's why I say it's an ageless song, because um, ultimately it's about um, providing hope and encouragement and a promise of a change is going to come no matter what the current situation or the current circumstances are um, to be able to live and, and, and rise above that. So if you listen to the song, it's about three minutes long, not, you know, quick, easy listen. Um, five stanzas or so, but at the end of each stanza, and you mentioned it, but he always um, makes the the comment that a change is going to come. And so for me, some people may look at it as being oppressive, but at the end of the day, um, he gives me that hope and that encouragement that um, there's a brighter future for us all. In the first stanza of this song, it, he talks about, I was born by the river in a little tent. Oh, and just like the river, I've been running ever since. And then he wraps that sentiment up with, but a change is going to come. Um, this is one of those stanzas that you kind of pointed out. What about that, like, resonated with you? So for me, when I think about that particular stanza, um, he was born at a certain point in time. As he mentioned, he was born in the tent. Um, and the the aspect of the river um flowing and the the river running I look at that as um, a a journey in life and for him his words were significant to me because I do look at life as a journey I look at life as um, always moving um, and there's always that constant flow and most importantly for him he mentioned I've been running uh, ever since and that is indication of when this song came out, it was towards the end of the civil rights movement, and it was a significant point in his life of uh, talking about the injustices that happened um, along along his lifetime, and he's been running. And so for me, it was significant because I was born in the 70s, and it was, you know, just a decade after the civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. And so having that, that um that stanza to reflect that change is going to come despite um, some of the injustices that took place during the civil rights movement. Um, even though he's been running from that um, um, since the beginning of his, you know, time on earth. And, and change has come to some extent. So you are a black female uh, and mm -hmm. a colonel, which is awesome. Good for Thank you. you. Thank you. Colonel's not easy. Uh, <laughs> I myself am a female. I'm a member of the LGBT community. And so seeing, like, we don't ask to be born a certain way. I mean, I'm sure you didn't, like, come from your mom and you're like, man, I'm I wanted to be black, and thank goodness I was. It just happens, right? That's that river that flows. Uh, people don't ask to be a certain color or a certain gender or a certain sexuality. You know, we just, the river flows, and you got to keep running. And so I, I see where you're, where you're going with the idea, like, that that symbolism it is really ringing true. This, the, um, the third stand as well stuck out because of a story from your childhood in South Carolina. The stanza goes, I go to the movie and I go downtown. Somebody keep telling me don't hang around. It's been a long time coming, but change is going to come. So this is a, this is a personal one for mm -hmm. you. Where, where is that coming from? Uh, so for me, uh, again, born in the 70s, uh, not too far from uh, from after the end of the civil rights movement. Um, being a young kid growing up in South Carolina, 
I had friends of, uh, you know, when you're a kid, period, you don't look at color. You don't look at the fact that, you know, someone's white, black, green, yellow. You just know that that is a good friend of mine. And so I remember um, I must have been about seven, eight, maybe nine years old. And I was invited to uh, one of my classmates' house um, to play with uh, three other of my friends. And my mom, when I went home to ask if I could go to my friend's house, she was a little apprehensive because she wasn't familiar with who uh, the parents were and if you yeah I was gonna say if you if you know any any mom the mom will always ask who are they and where do they live and so um, this was no different and so I was able to convince her um, even though she did not know my friend's parents to uh, let me uh, play at their house and uh, when I knocked on the door there was uh, Don's mom came to the door and uh, I let her know that I was there to play with Don and uh, she closed the door and I probably waited for two seconds but in a kid's mind it just seemed like an eternity Um, but I um, knocked on the door again and Don's mom came to the door or um, Don came to the door and she said that her mom told her that she couldn't play with me because I was black and so imagine being you know a kid of thinking, okay, I'm, I'm black and that's a problem. And so when I went home to, you know, my mom, of course, was surprised to see me back so soon. But, um, you know, I explained to her, you know, what happened. And, you know, it's just one of those moments in time where, you know, when we think we've made progress. I um, mean, again, this was, you know, by this time, this was probably, you know, early 80s, which in the lifetime hasn't really been that long ago. And I, you know, I, I think that, again, going back to the stanza of Sam Cooke of, you know, change will come. I, I am still hopeful. And I, I realize that those conversations may still happen in households um, where people are told, uh, kids are told, hey, you can't play with so-and-so because of, and you fill in the blank. Um, but again, I'm hopeful that that change will come because as we you know, start to have more diversity and inclusion and um, with a lot of millennials, uh, because they are you know, knocking down the door of you know, status quo. And so I continue to have that um, belief in that, hold on to that promise from Sam Cooke that that change is going to come. Yeah, it's almost, um, you know, we, we hope we get to this future where it's so much of a non-topic that, like, it's not even worth discussing anymore. Yeah. Um, I know in the LGBT community, we have this hope that we're going to get to a point where people don't have to come out as gay. They're just, yeah. you know, just is, and it's okay. Like, you you love who you love. Yeah. Um, and so, even right now, we have a CSAF nominee who is an African-American male, and that's the headline. Oh, first CSAF, going to be the first African like, yeah. But why? Why are we talking about that yeah. still? Uh, so I'm going to go back just um, a, a brief moment, but then we'll come back to your comment that you just made. Um, so I, I, I'll add to that um, when I think about change uh, and I go back to my situation with Don, it starts at home. It starts at home with um, teaching kids to ultimately have that um, respect and human dignity. And it's a golden rule um, that I was taught when I was young and most kids are taught, and that is to treat people like you want to be treated. And so, again, it starts at home with just the basic fundamentals, the principles of 
living. And so if if we didn't get it then the first time, um, then we've missed a generation. But to go to your point about uh, the the CSAV, um, that that you're right. We it it is a big deal um, for a lot of people who look like me, um, and for some people who may not look like me. Um, and so at the end of the day, you're absolutely right of um, when do we get to the point to where we can celebrate people. Um, but until until then, um, until we get the, the, um, the overall embracement of diversity um, will always continue to, to celebrate the first until it's just become so um, saturated in the system um, where there's you know minorities to where it's not even a big deal right and, it, and again that goes back to that change is going to come yeah <laughs> it's almost like that first stanza with the river where it's continuously moving and it's That's like right. we recognize these boundary breakers as they come up and you know with this new csap that's a new boundary that's being broken that's it, right. that hasn't been broken before we had the first african-american president now it's you know we did that now the next one probably will be awesome but it won't be that same conversation because we we broke that down. Yeah, that's right. We broke that barrier. <laughs> so we going through the song, the final stanza. Um, it carries a lot of weight too because it, it goes. There have been times that I thought it couldn't last for long, but now I think I'm able to carry on. And it wraps again with that message of hope mm-hmm. in that change is going to come. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, this this sounds. Um, like almost like legacy. Do you get that same kind of tone from it? I, I do. And and I will tell you, and I, I think, um, I think especially, so I've been in the military now for uh, 25 years and there have been two distinct points in my life where I've thought about getting out of the military. Um, and I, I won't go into all the particulars because I don't think we have enough time on the podcast. Um, but we've all been there, man. <laughs> I know. That is so true. That is very true. Um, and, you know, bottom line, we always think the grass is greener on the other side. Mm-hmm. But um, ultimately, though, I, and I relate this to a story that um, that I remember when I was probably a captain. I was home on leave, and um, I was – at my grandmother's house, and uh, if you can imagine, you know, going to grandma grandma's house, and there's you know wood paneling on the walls, and you know she has all these old black and white pictures of family um, legacy, right? Um, just pictures of family on the wall, and then there's another wall that has um, my dad who was in the army, my uncle who was in the air force, and two cousins who were in the navy. And I'm a captain at this point, and I'm looking, uh, where's my picture? And so I asked my grandmother, you know, where's my picture? And, you know, in her sweetest voice, she said, oh, baby, you hadn't given me one yet. (laughs) (laughs) And so I definitely fixed that. Um, And uh, when I got home, I made sure that she, uh, that I sent a picture of her, uh, of me in my my uniform. But I say that because um, what gives me the strength to carry on is the fact that and it's not about me, and it's not about my picture being on the wall, but it's about others 
who come after me to be able to see someone who looked like them, um, to have their picture represented on the wall. And so it was significant enough for me to ask my grandmother, where's my picture? Because I'm the only female and the only officer um, in my family. And that's a that was important to me mm-hmm. um, so that the generation who comes through my grandmother's house would be able to know that I too can do that. And I think, you know, to associate that to the Air Force, you know, oftentimes we go down the hallways and we see the chain of command. And oftentimes I'm sure people want to know where am I in this picture, um, in this line of uh, older pictures that, you know, date back to, you know, you name it. Um, whether it's the 50s, 60s, 70s, or as recent as the current chain of command. And so it's important for minorities to be able to see themselves in the pictures that are on the wall. Yeah, I can't agree more. I mean, um, you look back through history, it's, you know, we have the Tuskegee Airmen, but that's such a small piece of Mm -hmm. our military history. Yeah, they paved the way. We're standing on their shoulders. I know. We actually had uh, General McGee here recently. Oh, that's and awesome. To meet him and hear his stories was, was incredible. Yes. And the, the amount of airmen, you know, single-striper airmen who got their supervisors to give them some time off so they could come and meet him and just shake his hand and take their picture. Oh, I'm like, that's awesome. Thank, thank goodness that that legacy just it's still living with these people and that yes. that story still exists for us. Yes. So we're talking about this song. You you made mention to the to the fact that to, to achieve this this thing that Sam Cooks wants that to to get this change moving to have this change come, it starts in the home and starts with the family. We recently had uh, Chief Green here, the AMC Command Chief, great guy. Yes, and he he equated supervision and he's he's a, he kind of caveat. He's like, I'm gonna get in trouble for saying this, but he's like, supervision is a lot like parenting, in that that you have to take care of your people. Do you, do you, in the, in the context of diversity and inclusion, do you see that, that need for the family to create that change in the supervisor role as well in the cultures of our Air Force? Um, do, do we start making that change within our small families, which are our small units? Absolutely. A- absolutely. Um, yeah, so to, to start with, um, Yes, it definitely starts in the family at home, the organic family. And um, we're a cross-section of society. We, we know that. We've been um, told that multiple times, and, it, and it's very true. And so what we get from society into the Air Force, if it's not conducive with our Air Force values, then it is very much... Um, incumbent upon first-line supervisors and all the way up to the entire leadership chain to embrace um, those um, characteristics or those, the movement, if you will, of having that diversity and inclusion and to teach our airmen that um, this is the way, uh, this is how we roll, this is the Air Force way. Um, and, And I will tell you, I have you know, going back to that change piece, you know, I'm, I have a lot of um, confidence um, in that change will come, particularly, you know, as I look at the most recent um, 
Senate hearing that came from uh, Lieutenant General Kelly, um, which is our half A1, and uh, Mr. Uh, Fredrigo, who's our SAF MR, in that um, they did a presentation um, to the subcommittee on personnel, uh, the, the, the personnel committee on armed forces. And one of the things that they talked about is um, readiness being on the foremost of um, having the, not, not only just having the right number of folks, but the type of people that we recruit. Um, and one of the things, a couple of things that stood out to me was um, the 20, that 29% of 17 to 24-year-old men and women um, in the United States are eligible to serve in the military, and only eight, one of eight, have the propensity to serve. I, and I'll go on to say, too, that in this same document, and I encourage you all to read it because I'm definitely, you know, pulling out pieces from it and excerpt, but the, the biggest piece is just um, that I want to hone in on is the fact that we have had change uh, with regard to minorities, particularly with uh, women, uh, with African Americans, with Hispanics. Um, over the last 10 years, and the numbers have been single digits as far as the increase. Um, and I will say that, and, it, and it's mentioned in the document that we're headed in the right direction. These gains have been modest, but we need to continue to, 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 to make greater strides um, and not slow down on the progress that's been made thus far. Absolutely. Like even when um, we look at, so women in combat was mm -hmm. a non-factor for a long time. Mm -hmm. And now we are seeing women start to roll into that. And, you know, I, I came from a, a combat camera unit. Um, and one of the things we realized is that it was actually really valuable to have women on these teams because mm -hmm. sometimes we go into countries where it's not appropriate That's right. for a male to speak to a female. And we, we need that diversity to, to happen. And it doesn't even have to be a, um, a gender issue. It could be a color issue in a certain country. So mm -hmm. having that wide range of perspectives makes us more ready, more lethal. Uh, we right. are seeing a lot of changes right now with religious accommodations, mm -hmm. whether it be for beards, yarmulkes, uh, hijabs um, and there's some pushback from that but like I'm actually really empowered to see that there's more support for it than there is you know the the hecklers and the naysayers which are slowly getting beaten down by, <laughs> by the public voice and, and you're absolutely right I, I, I would say going back to the 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 stat of you know only 29 percent of 17 to 24 year olds are eligible if we think about 29 percent so uh, that's a small number of our society. Um, and so we have to open ourselves more to be more, you know, inclusive and to be more diverse so that we can tap into the population of minorities that may not have had an interest in, in the past. And so, you know, by, you know, there's been different research firms that have said that whether it's by 2025 or 2045, um, that we that minorities will be the majority so there'll be a flip in our mm -hmm. society and so if we're not actively pursuing minorities now we're going to be behind the power curve later and we need those um, those those numbers and those um, that population to be uh, 
willing to serve because otherwise we're we're not going to have the the bench or the manpower that we need to continue with readiness and to continue with that lethality to to continue being the the best air force in the world or to be, have the variance in uh in perspective or mm-hmm. experience yeah. you know like if everyone at the table thinks the same mm-hmm. like our problem solving skills just tanked exponentially absolutely. like, You're absolutely like right. having uh even even people from east coast to west coast <laughs> like <laughs> the way that they operate and think about things and the things they care about are so substantially different but i value that my wife and i are very different from each other and i really appreciate that because she is she loves people and she's got a huge heart and i'm pretty hyper logical <laughs> and sometimes i forget that i need to think about how people feel um, and I'm so glad we have that dynamic yeah. because yeah. it makes me a more capable leader and a better human being. That's right. And I think that in diversity and that inclusivity, that is what makes us really lethal. We I have agree. this breadth of experience that That's we can right. rely on. You're, you're absolutely right. I'm just going to put a, um, a uh, an exclamation point at the end <laughs> of that and say yes and amen. Right. <laughs> 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 I mean, I mean, it's it's the reality, yeah, um, and, and right. I'm I'm super motivated by like where the Air Force is heading with this, and, and how our senior leaders are yes. handling things because change is still coming. There there are still things that need more attention. Mm-hmm. But I, my, me personally, as someone who served under Don't Ask, Don't Tell, mm-hmm. who is seeing ongoing um, policy. Um, policy issues with things such as transgender i'm actually empowered and i'm hopeful because i see that we're trying to take the right steps forward it's not as fast as we would like it that's to be, right but it's still happening change is gonna come <laughs> which is which is more than most people can say you know yeah and, and I, I will say that um so when i came in in 1995 this discussion that we're having now wasn't being had at all period dot and so um people who sat around the table all looked the same um and you know white males and there wasn't an issue right and i do uh you know air quotes quotes, (laughs) um but now it's refreshing to know that our senior leaders recognize the fact that the reality is that's an issue um, because there are voices not being um heard that need to be heard at the table because that will make us a stronger force to be able to have that diversity in thought and to not be a one-size-fits-all and everyone thinks the same way mm-hmm. and acts the same way. Um, that's not what makes us strong. Um, being a country um, of made up of diversity, which is what America is, uh, is what really makes us strong a very strong nation as well as a strong air force so to be able to have that discussion now to have programs in place to specifically address diversity and inclusion um, is amazing and and again I mentioned I've been in for 25 years 25 years 25 years it took us that long to have this discussion and to openly um, address it is pretty amazing and so you know it's good and so to continue to press forward with it and to be comfortable having it having the discussion is 
is where we should be going. There's a lot of strength in being able to respectfully and appropriately Absolutely. have hard conversations about mm-hmm. things, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I think it's it's fantastic. So for airmen right now, um, so for a, a young officer who may be a black man or a young airman who may be gay and Jewish, who knows, they see that they don't have a huge representation in the Air Force comparatively with some with some other communities. Um, and they feel like, you know, we're not making enough headway. And there's also, there's a lot of negativity on Facebook. Let me tell you, I run a Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> People be out there saying some wild stuff. That's why I avoid Facebook and don't, social media. <laughs> yeah. You, if you, if you want to just see some crazy stuff, look at the comments on like nope, an LGBT I'm event. Like, I'm good. Totally good. <laughs> What what would you say to to these these young and up up and coming future leaders who are a minority who who may be struggling with feeling um, included, um, especially under the guise of some influences where it's like, well, where's my White History Month? Where's my Men's Month? Like, how how do we tell them like, hey, this is it's coming? Like, mm-hmm. what would you say to them? Um, so that's so a loaded question. Um, loaded because <laughs> um, so there's two parts to it I'll, I'll, I'll break out the first part then you know what would my advice be to um, young airmen capital A airmen whether officer enlisted or civilian who may not want to um, stick around because they don't see themselves on the wall and so my my advice would be to um, stick with it because um, if they get out we will never even have the pool for which to pick from so that they can make it to the wall and so um, it's not easy the struggle is real (laughs) it's not easy Um, but um, if it was easy, everyone would do it. And so sometimes we're called to do things that are difficult because we have to pave the way. And so we need um, folks who are willing to continue paving the way um, for others to come. And that's where I see my role of um, uh, being where I am today. And so my advice, again, would be to just stick with it because um, once we start having um, airmen, capital A airmen, um, separate, then that automatically decreases the pool and we we won't have a vote. We won't be given the opportunity. Um, the other piece um, that, I, that I'll tease out a little bit from your question is um, the advice from social media with regard to um, where's, you know, where's my month? And so uh, my advice would be there's 12 months. They can pick one. <laughs> Whatever month they want. Yes, exactly. I mean, I'm on board with that. I think um, I think there are people in this um, in this world, especially in this generation. Like my young urban are amazing. Yes, Um, I agree. And they have so much passion and they have so much drive to to make it better. And there is 12 months in a year. (laughs) And if they if there is something that they feel like needs that attention or needs that advocacy, then push for it, man. Go, go get your month. That's right. That's right. And, in the meantime, and have, you're welcome to share pride with me if you like. <laughs> we invite everyone. No one's excluded. And and I and you know when we look at the reason or the purpose for special observances, uh, it's because 
a group and you know you you pick a group um for me of course you know and, and i'm saddled between you know african-american history for february and women's history for the month of march so this time is you know this yeah it totally is it totally is um but when i look at that and how it um how i associate that to my life it's because you know we want to um, remind society that we're here. We are still here. Absolutely. And it makes us stronger. It does. Ma'am, thank you so much for taking the time oh, to talk about this and, and being willing to take on kind of a sensitive topic. You know, um, when we start talking about things like race and gender and sexuality and religious accommodations, mm-hmm. people kind of stray away from it. But I really value that you came in and you're like, I'm doing it. Let's talk about it. <laughs> let's let's talk about the big elephant in the room. That's right. And thank you so much for being the picture on the wall, you know, oh, thank uh, you. you know, as a as a female colonel uh, and a black woman um you're in a very serious position at air mobility command you still got five years left i think right <laughs> so sky's the limit we'll see. but we'll see you know it's just it's it's awesome to see people who have taken up that charge and said this is going to be hard but i'm going to do it because it's going to be important for somebody else uh even if it challenges me along the way yeah so thank you so much for for staying with us today. So I, I will say thank you for uh, giving me the opportunity. And um, doing a podcast, first of all, is extremely difficult. When <laughs> when given the topic is, you know, hey, pick a topic. Hey, would you like to do a podcast? Um, thank you, Colonel Jones. Um, <laughs> hey, would you like to do a podcast? And oh, by the way, pick a topic. And, you know, there are so many things mm-hmm. to talk about. Um, that we could have a library full of podcasts on any given topic. Um, But this one is very near and dear to my heart. And um, again, important for me to have that conversation, to encourage a dialogue. And oh, by the way, I encourage people to disagree because some of the things that we've talked about, people may not agree. And I'm okay with that too, but we've got to have the conversation. And so I just want to say thank you for giving me the opportunity to um, do this podcast. It's been it's been amazing. We'll have you back anytime. Awesome. So this has been the Bedrock Podcast. If you're looking for more episodes like this one, or maybe you're looking for a completely different topic, you can find the podcast on the Air Force Connect app under the 436 Airlift Wing. Just click on social media right there. You can listen in your car. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify for you for your listening convenience. Thank you so much, ma'am. Thank you.